It's worth knowing what's really going on. This is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. This is Access Atlanta. Every week, we share some of the best places to eat, play, and live out loud in the ATL. And, of course, we go behind the scenes and find the stories that show Atlanta is one of a kind. Welcome to Access Atlanta. I'm your host, Shane Harrison. We've changed the way we do our podcast. That means we're recording it remotely from our homes, but we've also changed what we're talking about in the podcast, since we've always prided ourselves on providing guidance on things to do in and around Atlanta, and because most venues, theaters, and attractions are closed, we're going indoors, and in some cases where it's practical, outdoors to places where it's easy to practice social distancing. From Buckhead galleries where works run into the five digits to scruffier indie art spaces populated by Gen Z types in mom jeans, Atlanta gallery owners can sometimes seem more anxious to chew the fat about the art on the walls than sell it. Hospitality and accessibility are hallmarks of Atlanta's art scene, which makes it easy to dip a toe in no matter what your art education. AGC contributor and art critic Felicia Feaster brought us a roundup of a few local galleries recently, and she spoke with some local gallery owners this week, we'll hear from Stephen L. Anderson. Welcome, Felicia. Thank you. It's great to be here. I'm really excited to talk about the depth and breadth of the Atlanta gallery scene. Yeah, it's always been that way. And, and of course, you know, with the, the pandemic recently, there are, of course, some changes in the way that they do things. But, uh, you know, they're still going strong, right? I am so proud of the galleries in Atlanta for pivoting in really significant ways to try to support artists to continue to do what they love, which is promote um, amazing art. And even during a pandemic, they found really creative ways to have virtual gallery openings, virtual artist talks. And there's so many dimensions it shows to how you can present art to the public. So it's it's been really phenomenal to see how these galleries have managed to work despite this this awful pandemic. Right, and and I'm guessing that that some of them are, are reopening to the public now, right? Yes, many of them are are definitely reopen and some have you should always check the website before you visit because some of them have you know restrictions in terms of you have to make a reservation in advance you definitely have to you know wear a mask there are lots of different um, 
requirements that vary from gallery to gallery. So you really need to do a little bit of homework first before you walk through that door to make sure that you're you're visiting in a way that's safe for everyone. Right. And and as I, I mentioned, you did a, a roundup of some of these galleries recently, um, which we can find on on AJC.com. So you can check there and there'll be links and all of that. Um, but you spoke with a couple of these gallery owners. And uh, this week we're talking with Stephen L. Anderson. Tell us a little bit about uh, uh, his gallery and uh, what they do. So Stephen L. Anderson is actually an artist himself. He shows his work at Kai Lin Gallery here in Atlanta. And he actually runs Day and Night Projects, which is the name of his gallery in the West End with two other artists. So it is an artist run space and their focus is really not on selling work. That's not their primary motivation. Their motivation is really to give artists uh, a platform to do a singular project, to show something um, that's of interest to them, have this beautiful space to exhibit in and explore ideas. So it's just part of what makes artists run spaces really interesting because they are on the same wavelength as the artists that they're showing. And sometimes, you know, this, this group of artists, they work together to bring artists to the space, to day and night projects. And they, they wanna show a range of work. They all contribute to, you know, ideas about what to show. And they just understand that artists need a platform, a way to, you know, work out a new idea, show work that they haven't shown before. It's mostly emerging artists. So artists who don't necessarily, you know, have the big reviews in art forum or haven't shown in museums. So it's a great opportunity for those artists to, you know, see how their work uh, does in front of an audience. Right. So this is basically a, a really great launching pad for for artists who haven't had their work out there, right? It is. And and I think it's liberating for artists to not feel like they are only about catering to the marketplace that they have to sell work. I think it's more about ideas and testing ideas. And I think that is something that's really needed in any art scene, in Atlanta's art scene, certainly. I love the fact that there, there's such a diversity of different styles of galleries here where you can you can see you know, everything from blue chip work to really innovative, untested work. And I, I think people should really explore. I know everyone knows the High Museum, but really explore this landscape because it's incredible. Right. Well, because, you know, some of these artists, all these artists start out somewhere and, and, you know, eventually some of them do end up in the High Museum of Art. They certainly do. And the High has been great recently about showing um, local artists. They have a great photography show up um, focusing on women photographers and there are quite a few Atlanta artists in it. So that is very encouraging. Yeah, I think I think a, a space like Day and Night Projects is really wonderful because artists, when they leave art school, don't always have an opportunity to hear to get feedback, to hear critiques, the things that they would do in art school to to help improve their work and move to the next level. They don't always have that when they graduate from Georgia State or University of Georgia or wherever. So showing at a space like Day and Night Projects is an opportunity for them to hear from other artists, to hear from patrons, to hear from just normal, you know, gallery goers. 
and get necessary feedback on their work. Right. Well, speaking of hearing from artists, uh, let's hear from Stephen L. Anderson. Thanks so much, Felicia. Thank you. I'm here with Stephen L. Anderson, who is one of the founders of Day and Night Projects, a artist-run gallery in Atlanta. Hi, Stephen. Hey, Felicia. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. So if um, people hadn't been to Day and Night Projects before, how would you describe it in terms of what it's like, where it's located in Atlanta? Yeah, well, we are an artist-run uh, project space. We um, were founded in 2016 uh, by myself and my co-director, William Downs, and uh, two other uh, co-founders at the time. And um, we uh, are sort of, we're in like West End, Mechanicsville, just south of Castleberry Hill uh, area of Atlanta. So we're very close to downtown, but we're kind of right in the middle of all these neighborhoods. And what would you say is uh, day and night projects focus? You, you often have Atlanta artists, but you also have artists from other cities. What mm -hmm. did you set out to do in, in the work that you're exhibiting? Well, I think, um, my, you know, my approach uh, in our approach, but like, I think all of us sort of feel that like to, to be a productive uh, artist, you have to um, kind of create a scene and an energy around you. And, and for, for me, that's like also finding opportunities for other artists uh, who can inspire you and uh, you, who you can learn from. And, um, and so, you know, we were trying to, um, we've all had sort of uh, curatorial ex uh, experience in the past, starting up our own magazines or art spaces or, you know, other um, sor sorts of things. So we just decided that uh, this would be a good thing also uh, just to kind of, I don't know, as a part of our own Pro, uh, practices to to make something happen that was um, uh, interesting that other people could enjoy that would they would bring in good art from outside Atlanta that would export at, uh, Atlanta artists uh, and elevate them in Atlanta and outside um, rambling a little bit but but that's kind of what we were thinking about I think so how do you choose the artists who are going to appear in the gallery? Is it you and William Downs sitting down to decide? Do you each come with lists of people you want to exhibit and then you have to agree upon the people? How does that whole negotiation work? Well, we've done it a number of different ways. And I should also say our third co-director is Megan Castro. Um, and so we, uh, we have done uh, uh, open call. We, we did, we are sort of like, in the second uh, season of our uh, open call that we started in 2019, where we, we got like 80 different uh, project proposals and we ended up choosing, I think like 12. Uh, we've curated some shows where we uh, uh, individually have found artists that we wanna work with and, and brought them. Um, we've done uh, interactions with galleries and other um, uh, cities uh, around the southeast and in New York to have them show their work and their artists at our space and then we'd show our work at their space. Um, so it's been a real range of um, 
ways of selecting uh, who and who we want to work with and what we want to show. And because it's projects, day and night projects, does that mean that you are asking artists to create something new and original for your space? Um, usually, yeah. I mean, what we're look, what we ask artists to to do is not necessarily give us their most like marketable work because we don't really have a sales. Uh, very robust sales engine in this in this space we we're interested in in giving artists an opportunity to um, expand on um, something that they have only really had in the periphery uh, or um, you know an, just an idea that they want to try uh, that they think you know if they have other representation it wouldn't sell or if they you know it's just a it's a we expect their work to be polished because we know that these um, artists are uh, professionals, but but also to be raw in terms of um, not really knowing what the outcomes will be sometimes. So it sounds like the project space is more about love than money. You're not expecting <laughs> big money. Uh, no, no. I mean, of course we, we sell work, um, but uh, you know, we're, we we have relationships uh, with the artists um, and we encourage to have a relationship with collectors, but the artists for our, because we're artists ourselves, that's, that's more of, um, that's more where we find our inspiration. So what's the most satisfying part for you personally of having a space like day and night projects? What do you, what do you get out of it? What do you enjoy about it? Well, um, it, it really allows, uh, I think, um, you know, it's, I feel like we're helping create an ecosystem or, or contribute to an ecosystem uh, of, of artists in Atlanta. And, um, you know, it's important to have um, an audience, to have other artists, to have people write about work to, you know, to have all these aspects of and criticism, to have all these aspects of uh, what art is rather than just being in your own studio by yourself making something. We really wanna have dialogue. Um, and we, I feel like we get that through, through uh, this platform, through this gallery. And it opens, um, it opens up opportunities for us individually as as artists, but also like you know, uh, it allows us to be very generous um, in, in a way of like we are creating an opportunity, and we want to share it with with these people that we think are pretty exciting. So when you opened the space in 2016, did you open it because you felt there was a need for it, that there was some kind of void in the Atlanta art ecosystem that you wanted to fill? Um, a little bit, yeah. We so originally uh, I had been at the uh, Atlanta Contemporaries Studio Art Program, and my term there was done. And so I found this space, and it was big enough to make um, uh, you know four or five artist studios. So I started you know um, gathering people to do that. Um, once we had the once our group had uh, got our artwork going, and you know our studio practice happening, there was still one 
space that was a little wonky and it had a big window uh, facing into the lobby and just didn't seem, and it was a lot smaller than the other studio spaces. And we realized then that like, oh yeah, well, we could just turn this into a gallery. It would be perfect. And, um, and, and so that was sort of like one reason why we did it. But then also, you know, it was right after the Lowe Museum closed and um, it just seemed at the time, I mean, this is a, is a very fluctuating artist spaces, are, uh, you know, open and close all the time. But it seemed at the time there was sort of a lull in uh, artist run spaces in Atlanta. And so we, I felt that like, well, not only could we do this, we should do it to just to fill the void and, and make, you know, keep the energy going in the scene. And the low was another independent gallery so you know those mm -hmm. do as you say come and go in the yeah. scene mm -hmm. so what do you think an artist run space offers that maybe what we think of as a traditional gallery which is run you know for profit hopefully to sell pieces and not necessarily run by artists what's what distinguishes an artist run space do you think I think mainly that the attitude of uh, of the um, of the artists who run it. I mean, I think you know we're we're not we all have our other jobs and we all have our, our practices. So it's like, what skills can we contribute? Um, you know, uh, some of our members are like really good at um, uh, hanging a show and you know doing all all the sort of like. Um, preparator and handler roles. Uh, others of us are really good at um, doing the website. Some of us are good at writing and, and doing promotion and things like that. And we really, it's like a, it's sort of a, like a collective spirit because we all, we're, we're doing this for love, not for money, as you've said earlier. And um, so I think it's that attitude. And I've seen, you know, lots of other artists from spaces around the country. And, and that seems to be a common, um, that seems to be a common attitude. Like we're not, we're here and we're getting our hands dirty because we just love to do this kind of thing. So can you talk a little bit about how uh, Day and Night Projects has pivoted because of COVID? Are you, are you having in-person shows again? Did you take a break from in-person? How have you handled all of that weirdness that has been such a huge factor for the Atlanta art scene for galleries and museums? You know, how since we're working with visual content, how do you uh, deliver that to people when it's not necessarily safe for people to be in the same room together? Right, yeah. Well, um, we definitely, uh, we had, um, you know, the same challenges like a year ago right now. We had a show scheduled and we just were like, I don't think we can do this right now. I mean, of course, you know, a lot more is known about the pandemic right now, but last April, it was just like, whoa, we got to just stop. And I, I think, you know, like, was that around the time that the mayor was like, if you, <laughs> if the city of Atlanta finds you out, we're going to, we're going to fine you <laughs> some money or something. Um, so we, we postponed some shows until uh, August uh, and September of 2020. And by then we sort of had a better handle on, you know, how to, how to behave, uh, to be safe and to how to find some uh, protocols and rules that we could, we could go by. Um, we had postponed one of those early shows to, uh, to uh, the artist decided 
uh, with our, well, we decided together, but the artist was like, I really feel like I want to do this as an online show. I mean, most of this is going to be sort of like animation and, and illustration that I do digitally anyways. Mm -hmm. So rather than just print it all out and, you know, frame it and stuff, why not, why don't we just do it um, as a, uh, and we ended up doing a, an Instagram, um, sort of like an Instagram story uh, exhibition. And I think, you know, it was, uh, in some terms it was successful and in some terms it was, it wasn't, but you know, it was brand new for all of us. And so, you know, I think we were pretty forgiving to ourselves for what, for what we could do and what we knew about. Um, but then in August, we started having uh, in-person shows and, you know, just sort of like limiting the number of people who could be in the gallery at one time and, um, you know, masks and, and hand sanitizer and all that. And I think we added, uh, fans and try to open the garage door that's uh, one wall of our of a gallery so that there would always be some sort of breeze or fresh air just to make it safer um, and I would say that like for the most part our attendance uh, we've had probably like six or seven shows since last August and our attendance has been a lot lower uh, for sure I think a big part of our in-person audiences uh, audience was uh, students at uh, Georgia State um, art school and and uh of course they're not there so um that's been a, a you know like it's it's a bit of a drag when people don't show up but you can also understand why um but i feel like that's changing we had some good attendance for for our exhibition recently we've got another uh, i'm sort of backstage right now at a performance we're gonna have uh, uh, later this evening, and uh, we're hoping to have, you know, like a, a good turnout, I think. So, so there's been some challenges, but we've also had, also had like, we had more sales in 2020 than, than we had ever before. So who knows, who knows? <laughs> all, I, all, I'm, all I can say is that we're still here and we've got plans for the future. And I think, and I think for me, that's a, that's a success uh, through this pandemic. That's so interesting. Do you have any theories about why you sold more work in 2020? Well, I, I know that that uh, people were home more and like I know that people buy more or buy more furniture and more things like that. Uh, so I think maybe it was just more people want were tired of looking at the same old artwork or this or just bare walls in their in their homes since they're there all the time. That makes perfect, perfect sense. I think there was a huge rise in people just uh, feathering their nests, just mm -hmm. trying to do home renovation projects, all these other things, because they were at home all the time. So it makes sense that they would also want to think about what's on their walls and maybe getting something fresh. And possibly, you know, there was more disposable income for some people because they weren't going out to restaurants. They weren't going. Yeah, out that's to true, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, Things like that. So do you have any sense, Stephen, of, of how the Atlanta gallery scene is going to recover from COVID? Do you feel positive about the recovery? What's, what's your, your gut tell you? I feel pretty positive about it. I think, um, I mean, I, I'm sure you could feel this just um, among people you know and talk to, like people are chomping at the bit to get back out into the world. I mean, yes, we want to, we want to protect that little introverted side of us that was like really happy being at home all the time. But, uh, but I think, 
you know, so many of us work at home and then we're at home with our families and, and we really like, um, we all need a sort of, uh, I don't know, we, we want to go out, I think. So in that sense, I think that, you know, uh, openings will resume soon once more people are vaccinated. Um, I think, you know, just from the, the gallery that where I show my work at Kylie and Art uh, over on uh, West Midtown, they, um, they sort of changed their, their exhibition model during the pandemic. And I don't know what their plans are for bringing it back. It was less about, you know, like one month with a big opening and then the next one month with a big opening. It was, uh, they sort of switched into doing like a longer term of, um, you know, when people come in and somebody buys something off the wall, then we'll just put up something else. And, it, mm. you know, so it's a more of a revolving gallery rather than a big like sort of uh, conceptual exhibition but i don't know if that's you know how temporary that is either but i do think that the uh and then help them you know get stay in business i think so uh i think there will be a lot of um uh, changes to how people uh just to how, how people think their exhibitions in that sense and I think definitely, you know, online is going to be uh, bigger for for some galleries that have started online. You know, an online uh, part of their business will be that's not going to go away. I agree. I think I'm like just contemplating the way I'm going to change my relationship to galleries as a critic. I don't necessarily go to openings because it's really hard to take notes and pay attention to the art because there's so many mm -hmm. people, but I do have that craving that you talked about that kind of urge to see other art people to spend time with people who share this, this passion. So yeah, I think we're all kind of itching to get back to um, that kind of community. Yeah. I mean, for a lot of us uh, artists, that's our social life. We're in the, we're in the studio and we have a day jobs. And then on the weekends we go and we bump into people at, at gallery shows and it's always, you know, it's great. It can be a little, you know, trying to see everything all the time can be uh, a little hard and, you know, kind of wear you down a little bit. But uh, for me, that's when I, you know, I see people that I'm really excited about what they're doing and, and it just is a great ch chance to get together. Um, and I miss that. Can you talk a little bit about your own artwork? Um, describe what it, sure. what it looks like and um, maybe some of the ideas that you um, have tackled in your work. Yeah, uh, my artwork is a lot about uh, nature and how it works and how things grow and what are the sort of systems that, uh, and metaphors that we can sort of like piece out from how like uh, these natural systems work and apply it to maybe our human systems. And um, so uh, some of my work uh, looks like, um, you know, they're, they're big circle shaped things that are uh, drawn uh, and they look like um, tree rings when a tree is cut um, and it's just concentric circles and they get wobbly and they're, you know, very colorful. Um, and then I have, uh, a body of work that's all about roots where um, it just uh, this very organic root shapes that and marks that I've been able to make um, by blowing um, ink over this very smooth paper. Um, 
and uh, and I've got other bodies of work as well that are all looking at sort of like uh, nature and power and systems and those kinds of things. And um, it's just like a really fruitful uh, uh, place to keep finding ideas for me. And do you anticipate getting even deeper into nature? I feel like so many artists coming out of COVID while they were in quarantine have really a newfound appreciation for the natural world. I mean, we're, yeah. we're at our homes, we can't get out. So we go out into the garden, we go to parks, we go to places where we can be safe. And I think it kind of reignites your interest in sure. the natural world. Yeah, I've got a really unbelievable uh, uh, opportunity this year. I'm the artist in residence at the Blue Heron Nature Preserve in uh, North Atlanta. And um, so part of my uh, residency was to curate a, a show that opened last week where it's um, artists making art, um, artwork out in the, in the forest for the next like six or seven weeks. Um, and so that's been a really fun experience. Um, and, and then I'll be making like a permanent artwork there. Uh, so I'm gonna be experimenting with like steel to make a sculpture. Um, and then my, my, I have a solo show at the Nature Preserve later this year where it's gonna be, I think sort of video documentation of me um, just sort of like crawling around in the forest and really investigate. I, I really wanna immerse myself in get my knees and elbows dirty in, in this nature preserve. So, um, so I'm really gonna go deep, uh, as, like you said. I feel you. I've never been so excited about spring as I have <laughs> in this spring. Yeah, it's so. been a beautiful thing. So congratulations on your residency too, so people can Thank go you. to the Blue Thanks. Heron Nature Reserve and see your work. Blue Heron Nature Preserve, yeah. Preserve. Um, can you talk a little bit about the next show that will be opening June 4th, which is gonna feature Kelly O'Brien's work? Yeah, um, yeah, so Kelly is an artist who um, went to uh, Georgia State um, a number of years ago. I think now she lives in Minneapolis. Um, she uh, is a painter and a sculptor and a new mom. Um, and she is gonna do, um, she's got some, I, you know, I need to talk to her more about this because she just sent me some new pictures, but from what I'm looking at is like, it's sort of a, a enlarged dog's mouth that takes up the whole canvas uh, on sort of a pink ground. So there's very sharp teeth and, and gums and tongue and uh, sort of action lines in red. And it looks like it's barking really loud, but it's just the mouth. And then it's also been sort of replicated as a soft sculpture on a hard uh, pedestal base. So um, she's definitely translating these images between um, uh, painting and sculpture. Uh, and it's, I'm really intrigued by it. It's gonna be exciting. That sounds really interesting. Mm -hmm. So what I'm thinking is, is there anything about day and night projects you think is really important for people to know that I haven't asked you um, about the experience of going there or just the vibe, the crowd? Well, I mean, normally uh, our crowd is uh, uh, mostly artists. So, um, you know, if you want to, if you want to run into artists, come to one of our openings because, um, uh, and, the, you know, like we, 
normally we'll have a cold beer waiting for you. Um, <laughs> uh, we um, people should know that if you're stuck between, uh, if the train is between you and the gallery, just to sort of turn back and go around the block because it could sit there and wait for half an hour. Um, and uh, you know, another thing about us is our, you know, our fifth anniversary is coming up um, this fall and um, I'm not quite sure how we're gonna celebrate that, but um, you know, I've been thinking about well, what if we did a, a book where we got uh, all of the, you know, each uh, spread had pictures from each exhibition or something. Um, we'll definitely do some sort of celebration. I don't know how that will come out, uh, but that'll be this fall. Well, that's a great achievement. I mean, it's not easy to sustain a gallery in general, but I think it becomes challenging sort of like rock bands when you have multiple people involved in the gallery and you all have to meet and agree on things. And so it's really a testament, I think, to the spirit of what you do and the dedication that the three of you have stuck with it and that you're now about to celebrate five years. Thanks, yeah. Um, I, I think it's been, a, you know, we've had our ups and downs and our challenges. Um, I think the spirit is definitely still here. We are looking to add some more co-directors to um, not only to give us more uh, resources and um, skills and audiences, but um, just to make sure that the, the workload is spread out a little bit more so nobody gets burned out. And I think, you know, with a few more people on board, we could, uh, keep going for another five years into some really exciting directions. So uh, Megan Castro is, uh, is one of our co-directors. She, um, she is a former Georgia State uh, student and she, um, after graduating, went out to um, Seattle and ran some uh, not-for-profit art spaces out there, uh, moved back to be closer to her family and it's been um, really integral uh, in um, just uh, how we do uh, development and um, some and a website and some she's really got some great ideas about um, not-for-profit spaces and small artist room spaces um, and uh, and she's an amazing person too um, and then William Downs is a, a is an artist who um, has been making work for uh, I don't know as long as I have over 20 years I'm sure and uh, he's also you know he's lived in New York and Baltimore and and other places and really been um, it's funny he's had so many different uh, exciting points in his career um, and uh, he's just making great work we William and I have our studios here at day and night along with a few other artists and so it's it's great to just you know talk about our artwork together and then like talk about what's coming up for day and night and um, it, it, they're just you know some great people that I work with and it's it's something that um, keeps day and night really fresh because we we each have uh, different um, different artists and and scenes that we're sort of keeping our eye on that we and different connections in the art world that we can draw from uh, through our histories and. And it, uh, it's so much, uh, it's so great to see that, you know, like uh, if I don't know, like quite often, I don't know who an artist is or whatever. And, and William was like, oh yeah, I, I know him from whenever. 
or I know I worked with her for, in this capacity. So it's pretty exciting to just to um, sort of the in institutional depth that, that we have sometimes. So Stephen, how can people learn more about day and night projects and schedule some time to, to come and see you all? Well, um, you can find us on Instagram at day night projects is our handle on Instagram. And then uh, our website is daynightprojects.art. Um, and uh, feel free to, we're open usually um, Fridays and Saturdays, 12 to five, but we're always available for, um, if people can't make that and want to come some other time, they can always just uh, contact me through Instagram or our website. Well, it's so great speaking with you. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk about your gallery space. Oh, it's my pleasure. There's something in the air at the Atlanta Botanical Garden. A brightly colored river floats among the trees above the canopy walk, twisting and turning in the breeze like a line of weightless Chinese dragon dancers. It is an aerial sculpture by Patrick Schoen of Los Angeles-based Poetic Kinetics, known for his large-scale works of public art. Read more about this new experience at the Botanical Garden in Bo Emerson's story on AJC.com. TV spinoffs have been around for decades as a way to build brand recognition and reduce risk. TLC has now turned one of its reality shows into a spinoff factory, 90 Day Fiancé. The show, eight seasons in, features Americans who meet mates overseas and bring them to the United States using a K-1 visa. The clock begins ticking because the foreigner must get married to said American within 90 days to qualify for a green card or go back home. The premise, inspired by a Dateline NBC story, generates tension with a ridiculously tight time limit, mixed motivations, suspicious relatives, culture clashes, and wedding planning all melded into one show. There are now a whopping 18 variants of the original. Rodney Ho explores these shows and examines their popularity in a story on the radio and TV talk blog at AJC.com. Music Midtown returns this fall after a year on ice due to the pandemic. The annual music gathering in Atlanta's Piedmont Park takes place September 18th and 19th. Tickets are now on sale via musicmidtown.com with a price increase to $135 and higher depending on the ticket tier set for 10 a.m. June 4th. Find out who will be headlining and get more info on the Atlanta Music Scene blog at AJC.com. Count on the AJC's dining team to keep you up to date on the latest news from Atlanta's restaurant scene. This week, the team reported that Einstein's on Juniper Street in Midtown has closed after nearly 30 years in business, though the space will be available for private events through September. Nearby Joe's on Juniper will also be shutting down, but will stay open through September. Keep up with all the latest dining news on the Atlanta restaurant scene blog at AJC.com. And to get the AJC delivered or to subscribe to the e-paper, go to AJC.com slash subscribe. For more things to do in and around Atlanta, go to AJC.com. Our senior editor is Nicole Smith. The podcast is edited by Tyson Horn. The theme music is by Bo Emerson and Billy Guin, And I'm your host, Shane Harrison. Join us next week for more Access Atlanta.